Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Rusty Gaylord is a executive coach, and I'm gonna do something today differently than I have done on any other podcast recording of record, which is I'm gonna allow Rusty to tell his story because he has a fantastic transition from being employed at one of the largest companies in the globe to doing the work he does today, working one-on-one with teams and with individuals. So, hello, Rusty. Hi, Ed. Happy to be here with you. Fantastic. Thrilled that you're here with us today. And I'd love for folks to hear your story. Again, I think it's a fantastic transition and some purposeful decisions that you have made and how you are leading your life. So if you could take a couple of minutes to share with us the Rusty Gaylord story, that would be great. I would be happy to, Ed. I'm going to skip the first part of my life, but to kind of jump to uh, starting my job at Apple. So that's the big company that you were referring to. And I joined in 2005, which was before the iPhone was announced. Back in that day, the iPod was the product of the day and everybody was very excited about it. I was loving working at Apple. I started off in the supply chain in the operations group. And then a few years later, I was promoted and moved over to finance as a director of worldwide finance. It was an exciting opportunity and a great place to to work. Super smart people, great company, uh, great products. In my new role, I was responsible for rolling out a global project around the world, and it was a huge challenge. My son at this point was two years old, and I just I was trying to do this global project, which being in California, that meant early mornings talking to Europe, late in the evenings working with people in Asia. And I just, it just felt like this huge conflict between that and being at home because my son was two. I wanted to be a part of his life. I wanted to be there for dinner and so on. So I I felt because I was felt like I was failing in both places because I didn't really have the time and energy to do it all. And the only thing I knew at that point in my life was to make a choice. I just, I didn't see another path. It's like, it's gotta be A or B. It's gotta be, I'm all in at work or I've got to make a change at work so I can be present at home. And that's what I chose. I chose the second of those. I had a position open on my team and I hired myself for that position, basically demoting myself into that that job and had my boss backfill me. Now, 
this was not done gracefully or easily or any of that. It was, it was kind of a mess, but I did it and it changed two things. One is on the personal level, it was wonderful because I was home and I was present with my son. On the professional level though, I put myself into a dead end job and I stayed in that job for about eight years. Partway throughout, halfway through those eight years, I knew that I wanted to do something different. I wanted to have, I wanted to do something that was more meaningful. Now, Apple was still a great company and I had a great team and I liked the people I worked with. I actually enjoyed a lot of what I did at work, but I started to have these questions in my head. Like, am I just going to do this until I retire? Or could I find something else that's more personally meaningful to me? Or why am I spending so many hours at work? And is this really how I want to be spending my time and energy in my life? Life is short. I had all these questions, but I didn't have any answers to them. And that's why I stayed in that point of questioning and wondering and wishing for four years until finally I got some help getting over the hump to figure out there is something different that I could do. And I realized what the hump was, was just my assumptions about what's possible for me. What kind of jobs could I do? What kind of work could I have? Who would pay me to do something that I actually liked to do? And once I got over that hurdle, all of those bumps that were my own assumptions and limitations and beliefs, then I went pretty quickly down this path to becoming a coach. And that's what I've been doing the last two and a half years. I've been coaching leaders, executives to become more effective at work. And I've also been working with people to find that their own sense of meaning. And that doesn't mean leaving your job, but it means showing up and doing your work and living your life in a way that you want to be living it. Uh, and so that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. Fantastic. And I think along this journey, you've also published a book called Breaking the Code, Stop Looking for Answers and Start Enjoying Life. So I assume what you've done there is collect many of the experiences you've had or perspectives or questions you even had as an individual and are attempting to share that with others. Absolutely. Because I, what I discovered along the way is what I just described earlier is so much of this is about my, for my journey was about my assumptions about what's possible. And for the listeners, it's about you and your assumptions about what's possible. And most of us have formed those beliefs and assumptions based on our past experience. So the whole point of breaking the code is that it's almost like we've been programmed. We've been programmed to believe a certain thing is the way life works, a certain path. Work hard, put, your, put in your time and effort, and then once you retire, then you can do what it is you want to do. Then you can have a good life. Then you can have the freedom you want to be effective and in, have an impact and do the kinds of things that are meaningful to you. But that's just an assumption. You can have those things in your life today, but it requires breaking the code. It requires breaking that programming that you've been taught and you've been programmed to believe that the way the world works that way. Well, many people would love to do what you have done, Rusty, which is to have the bravery to leave a leading organization while you're employed there. The iPhone did come out. So uh, its visibility in the world increased exponentially and to transition to your own independent practice. Uh, you know, where do you feel, and I'd love to spend a few minutes of our time talking about assumptions and limitations and beliefs, because in the work that I do with clients, it's oftentimes the work we spend our time on is their preconceived assumptions, beliefs, and they're always limiting, right? They're never 
I shouldn't say always, the, the vast majority of time they're limiting, they're not expanding, but it's, well, it's not going to work. I don't think I can, no one would want it, right? There's all these type of limiting type perspectives. So, you know, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on, you know, assumptions, limitations and beliefs, you know, where they come from and why they keep us doing what we're doing rather than, you know, it's almost like the glass half empty versus the glass half full. We tend to be more half empty. I believe that it's it's everywhere around us. It's like the fish that doesn't know it's swimming in water, right? We're surrounded by these messages of competition that you're only, you know, you're always in competition with other people. We're surrounded by messages of what's missing in your life. Think about advertising. That's fundamentally what advertising is. Like your life is incomplete because you don't have this thing. Uh, it's and it's you know it's even trained into us in our education system that the the thing you're rewarded for is getting an A. And getting an A means following the rules, doing what's expected of you. So all of these things are trained into you. And I now talk about it as the A trap because we've been trained to pursue the A, but it becomes a trap because the more you're pursuing doing what's delivered, do, doing what's expected of you, delivering against other people's requests of you, of your time, your energy, and so on. And the way you get there is by working harder because that's our traditional path of success. Just put in more effort, stick with it, go for the grind, and you'll meet your goals. And that becomes the trap because you just put more and more effort into meeting these objectives that are laid out by someone else. In, inherent in that is this question of what really matters to you? And that is the place where most people don't ever look at it, don't spend time. And if they do, they quickly get overwhelmed of, eh, geez, I don't know what really matters to me. So I don't really, it's uncomfortable. So I don't want to spend time there. I'm going to go back to what I'm familiar with, with it just, which is just working hard and delivering on others' expectations and pursuing success. So uh, these assumptions, if you will, it's not even really an assumption or a belief. It's just our, it's our worldview, really. And it's cultural. It's really permeates the culture. So to do something different does require breaking the code. It requires being countercultural, and that requires some courage. Well, it would be interesting, and perhaps your book talks about it, to explore this arena of assumptions and limitations and beliefs that are trained into us, although nobody has ever said this is what we're doing. So it's not like 1984, where we're being trained to be specific type of people, and that's how the world operates. But uh, you know, being polite to your elders, always obeying the policeman, right? These are all messages that we constantly hear. And of course, those are correct messages. I'm not suggesting they're wrong, but they all feed this type of mentality and context about how we live through life. So you're a trap, right? Where we're always trying to get an A and we even call somebody who is, you know, uh, assertive, aggressive and hardworking an A player, right? So it's, it's this thing that just exists within our world that others have created. And so it's hard for somebody to pause or ask if the question they're asking themselves makes sense because it could have an impact on their career. It could have an impact on their income. It could have an impact on their reputation, right? There's all these things that we create that require, I believe, bravery to think about other things that we could be doing that would be more satisfying. Yeah, and I just to just to highlight some of some of the assumptions even inherent in what you're saying, which is totally normal, right? Which is we assume that it requires a trade-off in income or status if we go off and do what it is that we want to do. But it's always worth asking the question, what if it did not require a trade-off? What if you could actually maintain the same level of income, even have more income? 
but also have more freedom and more satisfaction and more meaning and more purpose in what it is that you're doing. That the There's some merit to looking at where the assumptions come from and the beliefs and the habits and all of that. But it's really only useful to the extent that you can see it and you can start to say, oh, that's just something I've been trained in, but I can train myself in a different way. And then to shift your attention to this other way of training, to start to get curious. What if there were no trade-offs required? What if you could do work that you wanted to do? What if life felt easy rather than a grind? Now, most of those things, again, I, I get it. That's not the way most of us think. Most of us think you got to just put in the time and the energy and the effort. But you look around you, look around in the world. I'm sure you can identify someone in your life, whether it's someone you know or someone you know of, who seems to have this unreasonable degree of success. And it seems like their life is easy. And what's the difference between them and you? I would argue nothing. You have everything that, that you need to have that kind of life. And it's just a question of whether or not you're willing to, whether you have the courage and the willingness to explore that. Hi, I'm Bruce Tulligan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work. If you like listening to Be Brave at Work as much as I enjoy being a guest, maybe you'll like our podcast, The Indispensables. Every week I ask my guests what sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick, what makes them so successful. I've interviewed so many amazing people, executives, rock stars. Uh, I interviewed New York Times columnist Ron Lieber, former chief of staff of the United States Army, General Dennis Reimer, General Greg Langell, who was deputy commanding general of Joint Special Operations Command. If, if, if you're interested, please listen and subscribe to The Indispensables on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this show. Well, it's interesting that you should talk about income and reputation and, uh, you know, looking at how you might see yourself in comparison with others. I know personally, when I left my last organization, and I'm embarrassed to even admit this, but I uh, had as a milestone, you know, attempting to earn individually what I earned corporately, right? So, you know, that was a milestone where I asked myself, can I as an individual earn per year what I was being paid to do at an organization? And quite frankly, could I earn it in a, in a sense of working less? And I don't mean not working hard, but instead of putting in 50, 60, 70 hours a week, can I earn more putting in you know 30 to 40 hours a week? And of course, you know, and I know that the answer is yes, it is doable, but I had no idea if that was even remotely possible. And I, I set that personal milestone and hit it, but I never knew if it was doable. I mean, I, I knew it was doable, but I didn't know if it was realistic to to set that type of goal or expectation for myself. I love it because it, it, it implicit in that is this going for something that's unreasonable. You know, I think so many smart, successful people, and again, back, you talked about A players, we've talked about A students. We were, we were taught to be reasonable. Go for, you know, set a goal that you think is reasonable that you can achieve. But you stretched in that example into something that's a little unreasonable and you did it. And what, a you know, you never would have discovered it had you not been willing to explore that. It, it reminds me of, I, I, by the way, I did the exact same thing. Could I earn the same as, as on my own as I earned in my business? And so I, I went through that exact same process. 
But, you know, I'll give you another example of, of one of the clients I worked with, John. I'll, I'll call him John. That's not his real name. But, uh, you know, he worked at a major at a major tech company and he was doing the 60 hours, 70 hours a week. He, that was the mode that he was in. And he was wondering, why am I doing this? Is this really what I want? And the path for him, I, and I tell you this because it's important, because his path was not to leave his job at all. His path however, was to say, can I be just as effective by working fewer hours? And the answer again is yes, he could be. He took those hours that he was not working and he started doing things that mattered to him. Part of that was personal enjoyment, playing more golf. Part of it was also starting a nonprofit with some friends that impacted something that he was passionate about. And he, because he wanted to build something, he wanted to be a builder and be on the ground floor. And he got that experience. He took his time to do those things out of his work schedule, but as a result, he felt more effective at work, and then he got promoted because he was more effective. Now, I think it's so important to share that because so many people assume, well, yeah, you just have to go start your own business, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about changing your assumptions about what's possible, breaking the code. And when you change those assumptions, you don't even have to change your job. You don't have to change anything, but you change you you show up differently, you can be more effective, and you can get rewarded for it. Well, and I'm wondering how, I don't want to say hard, but is it challenging to break the code when the environment you're working in isn't breaking the code, right? The environment you're working in is fast paced and expect everyone to be working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. They expect you to answer emails over the weekend, you know, all, all those types of things that make people's blood curdle. But, you know, what do you do if you want to break the code in what you're experiencing, and yet the environment you're working in won't let you or isn't interested or doesn't care. I learned a lesson about that uh, when I was transitioning out of Apple. You know, I'd, I'd been at Apple for 13 years, uh, and Apple was one of those companies that you just described. It's intense and the expectations are high. And one of the things I love about Apple is people are committed to the company. There's not a bunch of political garbage or not a bunch of people who are just doing the minimum. People are take their job seriously, which makes it a great place to work. But because of that, I had always assumed it's not possible to do anything other than 100% or 110%. As I was leaving, I decided to go and tell my boss, look, I'm going to go start my own coaching business. And so I'm going to leave. And they said, wow, we really would like you to stay. We need you here. And so we worked out this, this arrangement where I was going to work half time for a little while. To give it, make a transition time. Now, it never occurred to me that working half time was even a possibility, right? And so all of a sudden, I find myself in this situation where, huh, I'm working half time, and I could do that. I could be effective. I could still make an impact, and I could have boundaries around when I was and was not available. And that just kind of blew my mind, to be honest with you. It's like, oh. Even in this intense kind of environment, it's possible to have boundaries and still be effective. Now, I get it. There, were some, there was some agreement with my boss about how many hours I would work and all of that, but he didn't micromanage me. He left that to me to manage. You know, What does half time mean? Does that mean half a day for five days a week? Does it mean working two and a half days a week? Or is it just flexible and I manage it the way I need to manage it? Now, Within those constraints, I was able to be successful. And I just, I think it's such an, it, for me, it was such an important lesson of really what's getting in your way as much as the environment is you. 
and your beliefs about the environment and what you think you can and can't do. Well, I'm just wondering, uh, in thinking about a company like Apple, did you actually only work part-time or did it become like a 30 to 40 hour part-time commitment? Well, it's a great question, but I, I only worked part-time because that was, for me, that was, that was important. And I think there's another piece of lesson in there, which is regardless of what the expectation is, it's up to each individual. It's up to you to figure out how are you going to work? So back to my example of John, I told you earlier, he had to stick with that. He got promoted. And I said, hey, when you get promoted, are you going to give up all these things that you carved out time to do in your life, like play golf and the startup? And he said, no, those things are still important to me. I am going to keep them in my life. But it's his choice. And just like it was my choice to say, when am I going to stop work doing my Apple work so I can start doing my coaching work? Because I'm only here half time. It's up to me to set those boundaries. Right, right. Yeah, I know a, no a number of people who work quote unquote part time, but don't work part time, right? They either self select to work longer or they joke and say, Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to only be part time, but I work 30 40 hours a week. So I think these are all choices that we have to make. Yeah, my my uh, the way I heard that expressed is yeah, I, I have a half time job. I only work from eight in the morning until eight at night. It's just half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Rusty, it has been fantastic speaking with you today. Thank you so much for your thoughts and perspectives. And I can tell you the world is thrilled that you left that large global organization and are now working with individuals one-on-one -on -one to help them answer those questions that might be in their heads. If folks want to get in touch with you, what's a great way to reach out? The best way to get to me is my website. It's rustygaylor.com. And I'll spell that my last name. I'll spell the whole thing. Rusty, R-U-S-T-Y. Gaylord is G-A-I. L-L-A-R-D. RustyGaylor.com is the best way to reach me. From there, you can get links to my book, to follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, so there's a number of other places. It's got my email and my, my phone number. If you want to reach out to me directly, I'd love to hear from you. Great. And again, your book is Breaking the Code, Stop Looking for Answers, and Start Enjoying Life. Who wouldn't want that? Exactly. <laughs> and you can do it right now. Fantastic. Rusty, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.